Hello, my name is Brian Coleman and welcome to the Be A Friend podcast. I am your host and my mission is to entertain and inspire listeners to end loneliness for someone else by showing up for their friends. As my therapist friend, also known as my therapist, once said, if you want to make good friends, you have to be a good friend. So on this podcast, I'm going to share with you all real stories of people showing up for their friends. Today on the podcast, I'm excited to share my conversations with my friends Joey Lanzi, Matt Berger, and Sydney Mulkey as we talk about giving friends the opportunity to be there for you. They didn't try to say, I know what you're going through because I've been through this, this and this. They just said, hey, I'm here for you. If you don't give your, your friends opportunities to love you fully, then you know they won't be able to. And the easiest thing to do to alleviate that loneliness for people is just be welcoming. Season two of the podcast is underway, and this is the second episode. So if you have not yet listened to episode one, I recommend listening to that one after you are done with this one. The main difference between season one and this season is my mission statement to encourage and inspire people to end loneliness for someone else by showing up for their friends. So I want to take a moment to say something now about loneliness. We all experience loneliness to varying degrees, and we all have learned to use what my therapist friend calls the tools in our toolbox to manage our feelings and emotions. Maybe the most powerful tool we can use is letting others know what we're feeling and experiencing. For some of us, that may seem very basic and obvious, but for others that may feel in the moment beyond what they are capable of doing. When you're in the midst of your strong feelings, reaching out to friends can be paralyzingly daunting. So let me make my case for why letting someone know what you're going through is the most powerful tool in our toolbox. People don't necessarily know what you need unless you say something. People cannot always tell that something is wrong with you unless you tell them. And from my experience, friends want to be there for you. I have never had an experience where I have been vulnerable with a friend about something I've been going through and had them react with anything but positivity and friendship. If you want people to walk through the door that leads to closer friendship, you have to open the door at least a little bit. You have to give people the opportunity to be a friend. This theme came up recently while I was talking with my friend Joey Manzi. Joey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey. Thanks for having me. When I talked to our mutual friends about Joey... They had a lot to say. So I'll summarize what they said in my own words to give you a greater glimpse into who is Joey Manzi. Joey is a former collegiate baseball player, musician, and seminary geek. He has the unique ability to be funny to kids and adults, and he loves to serve other people. I asked him to describe himself in a couple different ways. Like, how would someone who doesn't know him well describe him And how would a close friend describe him? Um, Well, you know, what's interesting, actually, is I have gotten a lot that I come off as an intimidating person um, and somebody who is, like, uh, cocky or conceited. And the two things um, I actually got once I started working in the church world (laughs) was because I'm tall And so like my posture just like makes me look 
like I'm walking around sticking my chest out, <laughs> being snooty. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm like the most insecure person ever. <laughs> I'm so insecure about everything. And uh, so I would describe myself as uh, I'm definitely a mama's boy. I'm an only child and I've always been a mama's boy through and through forever. Um, 29 years old, gonna be 30 this year. So I'm on my way to death. So that's good. <laughs> my demise impending. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a 49ers fan. I like being in the sun. Uh, I think somebody who knows me well would say that I'm empathetic. Um, I personally think that the best leaders are people who have empathy and I want to be a leader. Um, I want that to be something that, uh, you know, in, in whatever job that I end up having or jobs I end up having for the next 40, what am I, 35 years, um, I definitely want to lead. I want to lead people. I want to lead initiatives. And I think the best and the most um, effective ones are ones who have empathy, you know? So, uh, yeah, I've been through a lot of my life and so has everybody else um, in different ways. And I, I like to be there for people to let them know that they're not alone and I wanna help in any way that I can, but sometimes just listening and giving a hug and pouring a drink and turning on you know, a movie and just like being there is um, what people need. My brother is one of the biggest supporters of this podcast. Yes, I have a brother and a sister. A lot of my local friends are unaware of that, so I feel the need to mention it. But my brother asked me to ask my guests to finish this sentence. A friend is someone who... I would say a friend is someone who is present. That's what I would say. Uh, or a friend is someone who cares, but more specifically, someone who's present. Because um, you know when you you know when someone's uh, physically present, but like emotionally absent, mm -hmm. and that's almost worse than being alone, right? Like that's almost worse. Like if I'm, it's like. <laughs> and I'm guilty of this, but it's like when you're having a conversation with somebody and then they start texting someone and you can tell that they're not listening to you, but they're nodding along with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, I know you're lying. I know you're not listening because I do that. Yeah. <laughs> I know what that's like. You can't fool me. You can't fool me. I do that. Anyways. Um, so yeah, I think the, the, the best kind of friend or a friend is someone who is present because, um, you can tell when you can tell, like I said earlier, when somebody cares and when they don't care, um, when they're actually focusing on you and enjoying the space. Um, and I have, uh, thankfully I'm, I'm blessed with, with a few friends who come to mind who are that very, very evidently for me. It's like those friends who like, they walk in the door and you know, their phone is on do not disturb, yeah. you know, cause they're there to hang out with you. Yeah. This podcast is all about sharing stories of people showing up for their friends. So I asked Joey to share about a time when his friends were there for him when he was feeling low. 
you know, this past year was, was easily leaps and bounds the hardest year of my life. Uh, if you combined everything bad that's happened to me in my life and multiplied it by a hundred, you know, last, last year was still the worst for me because, um, I lost my job and, uh, it, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really, really hard. I had been working as a youth pastor for six years and, um, all of a sudden one day it was, it was gone. You know, I was no longer an employee at the church and, uh, that was really rough. Um, it was a culminate combination of things. Um, there was a lot of things that I was working through in therapy was also going through the worst relationship ever that I've ever experienced. Um, and all at the same time, I felt like I had to hide it from my workplace because I was in this like catch 22 cycle of if I tell people what I'm going through, they're going to judge me. But also if I tell people what I'm going through, somebody else is involved. And so under the guidance of my counselor, he said, let's just keep it under wraps for now and let's work on you. And then we'll figure that out later and we'll tell the people we need to. <clears throat> that plan got thwarted, unfortunately, and that led to me getting fired. Um, and then all of a sudden I was unemployed with no severance. I had no paycheck, nothing like that. Um, insurance gone, counseling payments gone, everything. Thank God, literally thank God that I live in a house where I pay such cheap rent because I would not be able, I would have moved back in with my parents. Like I, I, I would have had to move to Pleasanton because I, I couldn't pay any sort of rent outside of what I do now. Through going, going through that, that tough time in my life, I hit every low point imaginable. I hit like rock bottom from SpongeBob, you know, <laughs> like, you know, that, that was, um, <laughs> that was, it was really low. And one day I got to a point where I said, you know what, as low as it is now, I can't go any lower. And this is the new normal. And this is the new, um, this is kind of like where I can build from. And it was at that point where I realized, right, everything happened and God's still here with me. Everything happened and God still loves me and people love me and I have a roof over my head and things will get better. They always do. You may hear all of that and want to know, well, what actually happened? Well, Joey and I decided it would be best for everyone involved to be intentionally vague about all that happened because other people are involved and it's a bit complicated. And this podcast is not about how low our lows are, but rather the emphasis of this show is on how our friends have been there for us in our lowest points. A number of people here in San Jose and a number of people from, you know, colleges I went to or um, my hometown of people that, you know, were there for me in different ways. But two, two, maybe, no, like there's a handful of people that really um, helped me, you know, one of them being Matt Berger, um, one being Sydney Mulkey, one being um, Kylie Owen, Chris Chen. Um, Brooks Elliott. I have some friends from Pleasanton where I grew up that, that took care of me and checked in on me and stuff. And, um, it was also kind of cool. I got to see my parents in a different light as well. You know, I got to see for the first time, I got to see, um, my parents like fight for me, which was really cool. 
but yeah, I, I would say just if I had to highlight like a couple of them, um, I would say um, Matt and, and Sydney were pretty integral, if that's the right word, because of the empathy that I was referencing earlier. That is something that, for me, I feel like when people are trying to be empathetic versus when people just are empathetic, I feel like they, you, you can kind of tell, like they really loved on me. They really took care of me. They asked me how I was doing. They, they didn't try to say, I know what you're going through because I've been through this, this and this. They just said, Hey, I'm here for you mm-hmm. and I'm here with you. And if something changes, I'm here. And if you need something, call me, um, because they've been through their own things in life. And so you know, Matt asking me to, to go get coffee or hang out, invite me over to his house, have meals, um, just texting me throughout the day and saying, Hey, how are you doing? Calling me on the way home from work. You know, um, every time we'd be at like a a friend's house for a hangout or whatever, uh, I'd get a little bit extra attention in like an earlier hug or like Mm -hmm. a longer hug or, uh, you know, just kind of like that look like, Hey man, are you okay? Like, how are you doing? Um, so that kind of stuff really means a lot to me. Um, and then with Sydney, you know, she has her own story with things she's experienced over her life, but, um, her and I became confidants for each other mm-hmm. on kind of talking through it and trying to figure out, you know, how we, how we fit into this, you know, mess <laughs> and, and situation and, just like talking about things and relating it back to like how we grew up and, um, you know, eventually not really talking about the situation anymore, but just talking about how we feel most loved and how we love other people and, uh, the ways that we grew up and, and how we experienced love, um, from our friends and family and, and all of that and how we've been taught and conditioned over time to show that love to others. And so I really, um, to use that word again, feel loved by them. Uh, definitely. Um, and that hasn't changed ever. I loved talking with Joey about how Matt, Sydney, and others were there for him. So I thought it would be great to talk to Matt and Sydney themselves about their perspective on how they were good friends to Joey. Well, but, uh, here yeah. he is. Is this, is this the Matt Berger? This is the birthday boy himself. This is the Matt Berger. I was trying to think of a good way to describe to you all who Matt Berger is. But I'll just let Joey describe him for you. Um, by the way, everybody, uh, Matt is single as of the um, <laughs> recording of this podcast. Matt is single um, as a Pringle, uh, and he's a very good-looking dude. He cuts his own hair. He's he good cuts with, his own hair? He cuts his own hair, and he's good with money. He's an engineer. Great guy. Great cook. Funny on Instagram. I mean, girls, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? But, like, he's a good-looking dude. Loves the Lord, serves with middle school students. I mean, come on. Come on. If you serve with middle school students, that's like extra treasures in heaven. I asked Joey to tell Matt what he had been telling me so that Matt could hear what his friendship meant to Joey and so we could get Matt's side of the story. His most recent question was, I don't remember it word for word, but it was basically like, uh, in your low points, who's been there for you? And um, I didn't talk about you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you talk about? Just kidding. Chris Chan. Um, no. Well, actually, yes, I did. I did talk about Chris and Kylie and Sid. Oh. Um, 
but uh and you yeah and so we were just talking about matt by the way everybody listening um today is matt's birthday and he's here on his birthday after going to church on his birthday i think this is gonna get cut no it's not okay better not (laughs) um well we were just recently talking about i was plugging you for all the ladies and i was saying how you're single and you have straight teeth and you cut your own hair and you're an engineer and that you're just you know you're the youngest of four so you're definitely like cultured and you're a great cook and then, you know, I don't know how relevant some of these are. Some of these just sound like things that you would like, you like about me that you would like about yourself if you had them. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could never be an engineer. Um, so anyways, yeah, I was, I was telling Brian that, uh, during, you know, last year was like the hardest time of my life. Right. Um, a hundred times over and. I uh, was really low and depressed and it was really hard. And you were one of the, there was a lot of people that were there for me, but there's like a select few who really um, showed empathy and care. And um, so, yeah, I was telling Brian that you were that for me and I really appreciated it, you know, taking me out to Voyager and just texting me and calling me on your way home from work and giving me like extra hugs or like things like that when we're, you know, at the Augusta house or at the Mary house or whatever. Um, and just like checking in, you know, that kind of stuff. You never really tried to tell me, Hey, I know how you're feeling because of this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. So here's how to get over it. It was just like, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. I didn't tell you that because I didn't know how you were feeling. (laughs) So (laughs) I thought it would be a good idea to not lie to you about that. That's also a good start. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good way to be a way to be a good friend is to just not lie. That's good. So, um, anyways, I was just telling him that. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, thankful for that. Oh, thanks bro. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I actually don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) yeah, I was just like, Joey's going through it right now. And if I was going through it, well, yeah, actually I feel like we're both similarly introverted in that, like we like to be social, but you know, we appreciate our introspective time by ourselves. But I was like, even even knowing that if I was going through it, I'd be like, I would want someone to check in on me and just say hi or listen or be a sounding board. You know, not give the answers because they likely don't have the answers, but just someone to listen and be like, hey, I'm here for you. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. yeah and I think, uh, you know, there's a you're right about the introversion stuff. I'm an introvert. Uh, I love people. They just drain me is what I always say. Um, but there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Mm-hmm. And I love being alone sometimes when I need it, but I hate being lonely. And I feel like um, there's only positives to me being alone sometimes because I need that like recharge time, but there's never a positive to me being lonely. Um, you know, being lonely, I eat too much and I watch too much YouTube and I get bored and I do stupid things and my mind gets going on all the what ifs, but yeah, having somebody who understands that and checks in on me and, um, kind of like takes care of me emotionally like that. So Mm. I think Reliant K said it best when they said (laughs) loneliness and solitude are two things not to get confused. Oh yeah, dude. Right. Nice plug there. Yeah. Matt and Joey could talk to each other all day if given the opportunity. So, to guide the conversation a little, I asked Matt if he knew that Joey was going through a hard time. So, we 
Good job, Brian. Thanks. We did know. I mean, it's fairly obvious. You weren't coy about it. You know, you were like telling people, you're like, yeah, things are rough right now. Shout out, Christian. Shout out, Christian. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> you have a lot of editing to do. <laughs> that, so that was, that was like uh, April, March 22, something like that. So you and I at that point had been friends for just under a year. We had rekindled our friendship or we had, yeah, okay, you're right. We weren't friends. We weren't friends. We you're weren't right. friends. You're right. We were like Nemesis. loose business contacts That's correct. at that point before that. Yeah, um, you're right. <laughs> so we'd been friends for like maybe eight months at that point. Yeah. Um, and I'd say like I enjoyed spending time with Joey. Um, I will say this, like we have extremely different hobbies and ways we like to spend our time, That's which true. is like for most people, the basis of a friendship is like your common interest. So, I mean, we enjoyed hanging out together, but I don't think we were spending tons of time together before whatever. I don't know. We Not a lot of like intentional time. Yeah. Like especially, have... especially cause you were the youth pastor at the time. Right. And most of the time that we spent together had to do with the ministry. Right. And so like at that point I'm like, eh, I'm, I've seen you enough. I'll go home or whatever. <laughs> or if we were hanging out outside of church, it was like with other volunteers. Right. It was rare that we would do like one-on-one things. I mean, we did like a fire pit or two. Yeah. Like that, but yeah. Yeah, we got like lunch one time. No, it was beers. We got no, we got breakfast. We got beer. We we okay. Basically, we did things. Yeah, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm trying to say is yes. I think me trying to be there for Joey was uh, a point in our relationship where I saw us go deeper and grow closer. And you know, obviously, you probably already talked about the road trip at this point. Not really. Oh, you didn't talk Mm-mm. about the road trip. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how much context do I give? I will give the context because Matt was a little too long-winded for the podcast. About a month before Joey got let go of from his job at the church, he was invited to go on a road trip to Las Vegas and around Southern California with Matt, Sydney, and two other friends, Chris and Kylie. God really has amazing timing because if Joey had not gone on this road trip with those friends a month before he got fired, then he would not have had as strong of a support system for him when he really needed it. The five of us went on a road trip. It was kind of an eclectic group. You know, we all got along pretty well, but it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like the five besties all going on a trip together. It was just like five kind of loose friends and frankly, just like a weird assortment of people um, just agreeing to go on a road trip together. Is that a racist joke? No. What? (laughs) And as... Anyone who's been trapped in a vehicle for any amount of time with other people knows, like, it's it's a it's a trial by fire situation. Like, it was, we were rolling the dice. We're like, okay, we're going to be in this car for, like, at least eight hours every day. It's either going to be really, really good mm-hmm. or really, really bad. Uh, and it turned out to be great. It was wonderful. Like, we had, there were great jokes. There were wonderful, you know, little appreciative moments. Yep. Um Yeah, we just had this really good mix of like being lighthearted with each other, but also, you know, talking about what we were going through in our lives and encouraging one another um, and just kind of being vulnerable and open with each other, which I think paved the way for a lot of our friendship between you and me and between everyone else there to like grow and blossom. And at that time, so this was April of 2022. Yes. Yeah. And uh, at that time... uh, 
I'd only gone through like a little bit of hardship, you know, with, with some things in my life, but you know, I hadn't hit that low point by any means. And so I honestly, thinking back on it, I think that road trip was pretty, as we were talking about earlier, instrumental, uh, pretty instrumental to the, the friendships that I would then need in like a month and a half from that point. Um, because once everything kind of came crashing down, I had this, like this group of four whose friendships had been, you know, significantly elevated from that trip because, you know, we had long drives and Airbnbs and, you know, tons of moments together where we just got really honest and real. And in addition to the laughing and the farting and the food and all that yeah. stuff, you can only dance around like the deep topics for so long when Correct. you're with people for a week, at some point they're going to like grab a shovel and start digging Dude. it all up. And we did. And all of us got super deep and shared and it was, it was, yeah, it was very good. So, um, yeah, one of the, one of the core memories of my life for sure was, was that with, with that, with that group of people. And on the way home, uh, Matt had already flown from Vegas to DC for a wedding in the, in the latter half of the trip. And so it was just Kylie, Chris, Sid and I, um, but it was right up against Easter uh, break or Easter weekend. And um, Chris and Kylie are both from Southern California. And so they ended up, when we were in Santa Barbara, which was our last leg of the trip, um, Chris and Kylie drove from there to LA where their families are. And then they came home together back down to San Jose or up. Um, and so Sydney and I drove home in my car from Santa Barbara to San Jose. And on that kind of five, six hour journey, um, we, you know, if you've ever been on a road trip, it's hard to not talk about deep things just because there's so much time. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where Sydney and I had, I don't want to say for the first time, but I kind of want to say for the first time, um, super intentional one-on-one -on -one time without other people. Uh, and so we were able to kind of break down any other walls that, you know, maybe we didn't want to say certain things around other people, um, but we could with each other. And we both ended up being able to um, confide in each other about, you know, hard things in life, growing up, current situations, future, all that stuff, because we had a six and a half hour trip. Now feels like the right time to introduce Sydney Mulkey, also known as Sid to her friends. Hi, I'm Sydney. <laughs> yeah, so I'm uh, originally from Georgia. I grew up there, graduated college from there, um, and then I moved over to Go California. Dogs. What? Go dogs. Oh yeah, thank you. Go dogs. World tide. National cha What? <laughs> National champions two years in a row. Let's go. Um, yeah, I moved over to California um, a little over a year and a half ago now, and um, I am a a teacher. I uh, graduated with music education, but I'm also teaching freshman seminar at the school, and so um, a little bit of a little bit of everything, like PE, SEL, social and emotional learning, and music. So, yeah. Um, Sydney, uh, Sydney on the outside is a blonde belle from Georgia. Um, teacher. <clears throat> uh, fitness junkie, TikToker, um, loves to have fun and be um, kind of the um, the mood bringer upper, whatever the word is, 
for that. Um, anytime we have parties and things like that, she comes in, she's smiling and, and, uh, yeah, so she, she just, she just shows up, you know, she's always there. She's always available. And, you know, if I call her and she sees the call, but she can't answer it, I know it's killing her inside. Like she wants to answer and she runs to her phone real quick and says, Hey, I'm in a meeting or Hey, I'm in class or Hey, whatever. <clears throat> and then she calls me right back, you know? So she's just, she's there. She's present. Joey, Sydney, and I sat down on a separate occasion from when I talked to Matt and gave Joey the opportunity to share with Sydney what their friendship has meant to him. You know, like, um, I've, I've dealt with anxiety like my whole life. Um, and it kind of went away in the last like four ish years, but in the last couple of months, it started to rear its ugly head again and, um, had a bit of a tough time a couple of months ago. And, um, you know, there's, there's nothing worse than when you're having anxiety and you're alone. But also sometimes there's nothing worse than having anxiety and being around people. It's just like the viciousness of anxiety. Um, but at this point, I was like, I can't move. I can't get up. I'm like feeling like I'm going to die. And I just texted Sydney and she drove right over. And it was it was late. It was probably 10 o'clock or something. And <clears throat> she just dropped her plans um, doing whatever she was doing at home. And I know you were busy doing something at home. I can't remember what it was. And she just dropped her plans and came over. And, um, I think that was like at the beginning of the storms and all the rain and stuff. And so, um, and she just came over and just took care of me, you know, and I was literally laying right there where, where you guys are sitting and, um, had a weighted blanket on me. And like, I was just like, I felt paralyzed for a little bit and she came over and took care of me and brought me water and brought me tea and, you know, sat there and kind of like brought me my guitar, asked me questions, just laid her head on me, just did whatever, I thought I needed whatever she thought she needed. And I think, um, that's, that's probably my favorite thing about you is that you, you do that. You would do that for anybody. Um, but you did it for me and I was able to get through that, you know, episode because you were there. And there's been a couple of times where, you know, I've had moments like that and she's come through and, and taken care of me. So, yeah, I think just just listening and being sweet and gentle and um, uh, intentional in, in listening and wanting to help and stuff. Um, I always knew that she was those things. That's why I've been friends with her for so long. But um, I think that kind of changed it a little bit, you know, brought our friendship to another level um, where it was somebody that I could, you know, at the time call a best friend. Um which I wouldn't say that's changed, but a bit of a new title now. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we're dating. <laughs> so there it is. Um, thought of one more thing that Sydney was actually the first person that I told after I got let go. Because her and I had been texting, you know, back and forth the last, the few days before that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I remember that was my first day back at work from having COVID and, um, we were just, you know, kind of texting and whatever. And I, I had this meeting set on my calendar, um, with the upper management at, 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 um, at the church. And I, uh, didn't think anything of it. It was normal because of the role that I was in at that point. I had seats at that table with those people. Um, and I remember texting Sid just saying like, hey, I'm going to run into a meeting real quick, like a two thirty meeting, but I'll, I'll text you after or something like that. And then in that meeting, I found out that I, I was, being let go and I was like a stone wall of emotion but Sydney was the first person that I called when I got into my car um I, I don't really know specifically why 
because I could have called my mom. I could have called my dad. I could have called my best friend Jackson from Sacramento. I could have called Jake. I could have called Matt. I could have called. There's a bunch of people I could have called. Um, I could have just driven off a cliff instead. But for whatever reason, I I I called Sydney, and she yeah she was the first person, and she was you know floored, and there was a lot of information that you know can't share here, but um, yeah. So I, I think just to add on to kind of what I was saying about Sid earlier is like, I can tell that she's, when she's listening, it's almost as if she takes on the issue with you. And that goes into what I was talking about with you and with Matt about empathy is the person is there and they're kind of like a chameleon to what you need. Um, and Sydney definitely is that and did that for me. Um, yeah, for me, I definitely, I mean, I definitely remember that day and I, it was certainly very emotional for Joey, but I remember getting emotional with him because through, I think through all of these, uh, low, low points, um, I think just because of the friendship we were developing, I felt a lot of that pain with him and I felt it for him and hated seeing him like, uh, having to walk through that, but also, like seeing Joy the way that I see him and all the things that I described earlier, I it's funny because we've had this conversation recently, but I told him like, oh, all this time, like I just wish I could tell you how loved you are and just make you feel so loved and um, and just like, I don't know, the those things that he has carried with him for so long like all the hurt that he's carried with him for so long like I just wanted to with you know obviously with God through me like break that down for him um because I truly think he's like one of the most amazing people ever and um and so yeah so seeing him go through all of that uh was was I I just I felt I just hurt so much for him um and I remember like a few nights even just being up super late and just talking about it and not even realizing like how late it was, yeah. but it was just because we were so like, just so like into the conversation or just like being very vulnerable about emotions um, and just like everything that he was kind of thinking through in his mind and just walking through of like, what am I going to do? Like, do I... Do I, should I even stay here or should I just like go somewhere where nobody knows my name, nobody knows my face and just start over. And, um, you know, I remember like contemplating that all with him and of course hoping that he would stay here, but, um, also wanting to, yeah, it's just like, I can't imagine going through something like that. So, um, and I, I don't know if this answers the original question, but I think too, like at that time, wanted to help Joey know that it wasn't just me that felt this way, that I really cared about him. But through my experience of starting to build those relationships where there was more depth and feeling um, the freedom and feeling the kind of love that God offers through community, I wanted Joey to know, like, you have that here and God has provided that. And we have a really unique situation. Of course, it's hard to be best friends with everybody that walks through the door all the time and at every event, but like, there are people that truly care. And um, so just like also being there to remind him and also try to like uh, craft 
uh, scenarios and atmospheres where he could feel that kind of love and that kind of support from the people that God had already placed in his life. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking about like the, the night where we called a bunch of your close friends over so you could tell them what happened and, um, and just like be met with support and be met with love. So I hope that answered your question. I had heard about Joey losing his job through the grapevine of our friends, but I had not heard about this night where he shared about everything going on. So I asked him to share more about it. And this part of the story specifically is why I believe that if you want your friends to be there for you, sometimes you have to give them the opportunity to be a friend. Yeah. Um, so May 23rd was D day is what I like to call it. Um, and a lot of my friends at that time uh, had joined the student ministry um, as volunteers and our ministry was growing and um, yeah, there was probably 10 of our friends who were either regular attenders or would help once a month on worship or things like that. And um, you know, I had gotten a promotion six months prior and you know, for, for, for the role that I was in, I was at the peak in terms of, like how high I could go, um, moving up in the ranks, whatever for the position. And so, uh, people were catching the vision and joining and there was a lot of steam, you know, going, um, behind what we were doing. And then May 23rd happened and my whole life came crumbling down and none of them knew, like not a single one of them knew what had happened because just the day before was church and then Monday was D day. And then Tuesday, I had talked to Sid about, I wanted to get all my friends together. And the reason for that was there was a short amount of time and I needed a lot of our volunteers to know from me. So anyways, I was talking with Sid and I was like, I, I need our friends to know. Like number one, I need them to know the truth. Number two, I need people, period. Um, and so we sent out a text to a bunch of people and I think like 20 of my friends showed up. So, um, yeah, Sid was gracious enough and her roommates, obviously, to open up their house um, and just invited a bunch of people over. I think like yeah, 20 or 22-ish people ended up coming. And um, I don't know what they thought I was going to say because it was this whole like, hey, guys, Joey has something he wants to share with you all. It's really important and, you know, significant. And like um, at this point, like literally no one else knew. No one else had heard anything. It was just Sydney and I, like she didn't tell her roommates, maybe like a little tiny bit just to like justify why we needed to have this like really quick meeting, but literally nobody knew anything. I, uh, <laughs> I'm sure I, I talked to a few people after they were like, dude, we thought you were going to say you were gay. <laughs> like, we thought you were calling us together to say to, that you were like, it was a coming out party. Which, no, no disrespect, but like, no, <laughs> that's not what it was. But I was thinking about it after I was reading the text through that lens and I was like, Oh yeah, it kind of does. It totally did sound like that. And it yeah. was like, you know, having a girl text it on my behalf and stuff. It just, I don't know. So anyways, um, and so I needed to tell everybody what had happened, um, give perspective on things uh, and what it meant for the future. And not a single person met me with any like, hey man, like nobody even came to me and said, I disapprove of what happened, what you did, what you got into but I love you. Like nobody even did that. They just said, I love you and I'm here for you. And I remember, um, after I said it, like multiple people were crying 
and um, I remember the first person to speak up was Chris. And Chris, at the time, we yes, we had gone on the road trip, but the road trip was like my first real like friendship building with Chris. And um, he was the first person to speak up. And he said, thanks for sharing. What can I do for you now? And the way that he said it, it was like so sensitive. It was like jarringly sensitive. It was like, oh my gosh. And the way that I just said it didn't sound very sensitive, but like his tone and his body language and his eye contact and everything, it was so surprising. Not that I didn't think he was capable of it, but I was just at such a low point where I expected everyone to just be pissed and disappointed and all that stuff, which probably came at some point. But yeah, he was the first person to speak up and he said like, what can we do for you now? Like, what do you need? And I remember answering saying, I don't know, <laughs> because I didn't, I was like, maybe just check in on me and stuff. And that's exactly what everybody started doing. Like that night and for the next month, every single day I'd wake up, I'd have a text from somebody um, with their own story or, hey, thanks for sharing because I feel seen because of what I've been through or, you know, you're loved and you're forgiven. I get a text like once every couple of weeks from Efren that he's praying for me and that I'm, I'm on his prayer list. And I've gotten closer with other people because of what happened, like with people that I never thought I would be close with, like Ben Fu. I love Ben Fu. Never, ever, ever would not want to be close with him. But because of everything that happened, him and I got closer. And so I really think that God uses all things. He makes all things work together for our good. He causes all things to work together for our good. Even if what we did wasn't good, he still uses those things for our good. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely been, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to say the, the euphemism, right. Or the, the phrase, right. But it's like, it's like there was def, there's definitely been flowers now after everything that happened. It's like been, it's been great. It's, it's, things have been growing. It's been more colorful. I'm not depressed anymore. You know, I'm, I'm seeing things more clear. And I think if you remove me being truthful with my friends, it never would have given them an, an opportunity to literally be the church. It never would have given them the opportunity to do that. Um, and without my friends, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. So uh, long-winded way to say they're great. If you are listening to this and you're not familiar with the phrase, be the church, you're not alone. So I asked Joey to clarify what he meant by that. Yeah, if I hadn't have been truthful with my friends, it wouldn't have given them an opportunity to love me. It wouldn't have given them an opportunity to be the church. Um, and I guess what I mean by that is, you know, whoever's listening to this podcast, whatever, I'm sure by now you know that Brian is a Christian and, you know, <laughs> um, we're all Christians here, right? To varying levels, but that's, that's what we're trying to do. And um, we, there's a lot that you see in politics and on Twitter and things like that, that are damaging and divisive about what Christianity is. And I think a lot of people are getting false information um, or are believing what they want to believe about Christianity. Um, what Christianity should be and what Christianity is, is God sent his son to save and forgive those who've committed sin, which is everybody. doesn't matter who you are or what you believe in. 
that's the truth. I felt like we were really going somewhere in this part of the conversation, so I asked them to go a little deeper into this thread of giving people the opportunity to love you. If you don't give your, your friends opportunities to love you fully, then um, you know they won't be able to. No one's a mind reader. Everyone's going through their own things. It requires a lot of strength, which I think we can lean on the Lord for to be able to open yourself up in that way. But I think like God reveals so much beauty. You talked about flowers earlier and I was thinking beauty from ashes. Mm. Like mm. that is where when you bring it to the surface, it's not hiding. It's not becoming more lies. It's not tearing you down more when it's brought to the surface. That is when God is able to like pour out his grace, pour out his love and just like rid your life from the sin and the evil and you know, all the bad things like God is able to shine through and he's able to do that through friends. It can definitely be scary to want so deeply the benefits of a friend, but fear opening up will leave you with less friends. Um, and thankfully the friends we have here, the SJ friends, the discord friends, you know, they have all been really loving and caring and, uh, helped me in my loneliest time. So um, now I know who I can depend on. And the reality is like, it's not going to be like that for everyone. And every time I get really, really low, I, uh, just because I'm a human and I know how sucky I can be sometimes, I'm probably not going to have a 100% hit rate every time I'm lonely that everyone's going to come through for me because that's just statistically speaking, probably how it'll be. But because I did put myself out there, I do know who I can go to. And I know that they'll always be there with me and for me. And I'll always be there with them and for them. So um, I hope they know that too. If you have an opportunity to love people, then you be obedient and you love them. And you deny yourself and you elevate that person. And in turn, what you're doing is you're loving God. And that's exactly what my group of friends did. Is they dropped all of their plans in a 24-hour period and showed up in Sunnyvale not knowing what I was going to say and listened and loved and then followed up on that. And so it allowed all of our friendships to like level up in a way. And I really think if you, if you go butterfly effect and you keep reversing that into where it began, it began with this happening, God giving me the courage to speak truthfully and shamefully and regretfully and then our friends showed up. It goes right with, you know, what this podcast is called is be a friend, you know, end loneliness by being a friend to somebody else. It was the loneliest time of my life. It was the lowest and loneliness and, and loneliest. And they helped end my loneliness by being a friend, you know, actively being a friend, not just once, but actively doing it. So really thankful for them. If you are experiencing a difficult time right now, I hope you are encouraged by Joey's story to give people you know the opportunity to be a friend. Thank you to Joey for letting me tell his story on the podcast, and thanks to Matt and Sid as well for chatting with us. Special thanks to Tim Cassell for the music you hear in this episode, and thank you for listening to the Be A Friend podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and sharing this episode with a friend or even on social media. Until next time, don't forget that if you want to make good friends, you have to be a good friend. 
yeah, I think being a friend to me just is a matter of what is the best way that I can serve this other person. Thanks for having us on the pod. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Ryan. Hey, everyone, be a friend. Don't suck. Be a friend. Be a friend. Be a friend.